near Bradford. Thomas Pierpoint and his eldest son, also named Thomas, were listed as being employed as quarrymen. Harry was working at a worsted mill in Clayton, aged thirteen, when he read about the exploits of the well-known Bradford hangman, James Berry, whose career as the country's chief executioner had come to an end following a series of botched executions and run-ins with prison authorities. After reading about James Billington's appointment to succeed Berry, Harry quickly decided it was what he wanted to do too, an ambition that stayed with him night and day, never leaving him. Other boys dreamt of becoming soldiers or engine drivers. Harry's dream was to become an executioner. Over the next few years, he hungrily lapped up newspaper accounts of Billington's thrilling adventures across the country as he dashed by railway from one prison to another, carrying out his official duties, executing the criminals whose exploits had been splashed across the weekly scandal sheets. Names such as the notorious Dr. Cream, the Lambeth Poisoner, and baby farmer Amelia Dyer. Harry harboured a desire to travel, one more than likely stimulated by reading the hangman's newspaper accounts. When his father found out he was unhappy working in the local mill, he arranged an apprenticeship for his son at one of Bradford's largest butchers. Harry lasted three years as a butcher until, on reaching his eighteenth birthday, he decided to leave the business. He travelled across the Pennines to Manchester, where his sister Mary was one of the managers of Robert Boyle and Sons, cabinet makers, at 316 Oldham Road, Manchester. In 1898, while he was living briefly in Prestwich, Manchester, Harry met a local girl named Mary Buxton. After a brief courtship, they married, and within a year they had their first child, a daughter. Then, in February 1901, Harry Pierpoint composed his brief letter to the Home Secretary, offering his services as an executioner. He was a month short of his twenty-third birthday when he applied for the post, not twenty-four, as he himself claimed when applying for the job, and when later he penned his memoirs in Thompson's Weekly News and Reynolds News. All census records from 1881, 1891, and 1901 confirm that Henry Albert Pierpoint was born in March 1878. It's more than likely that he had added a couple of years to his age to support his application, and then kept up the pretense throughout the rest of his life. Many years later, when he wrote his memoirs, Harry admitted that at the time of applying he felt the post of executioner was morally reprehensible, but this didn't deter him in his quest. Although the occupation would have been regarded as unsavoury by many it provided a working-class man with a relatively easy way of earning a considerable amount of extra money. He was at a loss as to whom to address his letter, until, after some consideration, he decided to post it to no less than the Home Secretary himself. To his great joy, he received a letter almost by return, stating his request was being considered, and that he would hear again in the near future. On the 18th of February 1901, 
the Home Secretary wrote to Governor Cruikshank at Manchester's Strangeways Jail. Prison Commission, Home Office, Whitehall, SW. Please send for H. A. Pierpoint, whose letter is enclosed, and say whether he would make a satisfactory assistant executioner. If you think that he is, you might ascertain confidentially from the local police whether he bears a good character. That his application was being taken seriously was soon proved, when detectives called at the Manchester furniture store to make discreet inquiries about Harry. He received a positive reference from his employer, and soon after, another letter was received at his new home. This time, it was marked confidential, and came from the governor of Manchester's Strangeways Jail. Inviting Harry to attend for interview at the prison, although Harry had long desired to become an executioner, it was an ambition that he had not shared with anyone. When he arrived at the prison gates, having told no one of his appointment, he was overcome with feelings of embarrassment and a sense of shame.